0: ultimately, what we see is every single homepage, regardless of size, should drive one of two actions. Clicking the button to book the demo or hop in the free trial or whatever that like next step is, or clicking a sub page to get you somewhere else to learn more to get you ideally to one of those two outcomes.
1: Hello and welcome to Confessions of a B2B Marketer. I am your host, Tom Hunt, and today we have a bit of a different one. Anthony Pieri is coming on to talk just about homepages, not even any homepage, to talk about B2B homepages, e.g. what you need to do to clearly communicate what your thing does to the world. So that when they land on the homepage, they're going to be more likely to take that CTA. Some big, big insights here for me, especially that we'll get into. I won't talk about them now. First, let's talk about fame who produces show if you'd like a show like this we do shows like this or shows that are slightly different then please go to fame.so b2b only please and when you go there say you heard about them from confessions of a b2b market and I make sure they will look after you it's my company by the way okay let's jump into this conversation with anthony
0: anthony welcome to the show thanks so much for having me super excited to be
1: here it's going to be maybe a weird, but definitely awesome episode because literally all we're going to do for the next like 25 minutes is talk about home pages, specifically B2B home pages, what you need there, what you shouldn't have there, and literally everything you need to know. Isn't that right, Anthony?
0: Yep, that's our specialty. It's basically what we do every single day. We work with B2B, usually early stage startups, SaaS mostly, but sometimes bigger companies. But that's essentially the only problem we help solve is you have an unclear, confusing homepage. You come to us, we help you figure out the best way to make it clear for your best fit customers. So that's essentially what we do. It's beautiful because most marketing agencies do about like 17 different things. And
1: whenever I see anybody that's like uncomfortably narrow in what they do, hey, I just love it. But B, I'm like, these guys must be really good at it because that's literally all they do. So I think we should start actually from the bottom of the homepage, if that's okay. So even like below the footer, is that's the legal stuff that we must have there before we even get to the footer.
0: We don't go that deep into what, like, exactly the homepage. So even just to place us in the overall landscape, we are not conversion rate optimization experts. So sometimes people come to us and say, we really want to work with you to bump up our conversions. But because we're primarily serving startups, conversions are kind of the wrong metric that we even want to think about. Because likely you don't even have the volume to do a true A/B test to run two different tests to see who would be better because you're just not getting that much traction as an early stage startup. And we're not designers, right? So we're not coming in telling you this is what you should do. Logos and fonts and animations and things like that. We have loose opinions, but we come at the homepage from maybe a more unique angle But we're coming at it from a product marketing perspective. And we're primarily thinking about how do we want to position and message the product in a clear way that explains the value proposition when the customers who you've built the product for get on the page, they get it immediately. So we leave some parts of our final deliverable, which is a, a loose wireframe, completely design agnostic. We leave some of it up to the company and the various nuances. And we're not a industry specific other than tech. We, you know, the broad umbrella we're working with tech companies. But we're not like for finance companies. We're not for logistics companies. And so a lot of that legal stuff ends up being very specific to the industry. And so we usually don't even touch those pieces. And so like even with the footer, we have a lot of opinions on the nav bar. But sometimes when we get to like the footer, we're like, this is the result of a lot of the rest of the company's baggage. And primarily, we're not even super concerned with the footer, if that makes sense.
1: Okay, let's ignore the photo. What's the next thing above the photo that we should definitely have?
0: Yeah, if we're going from the bottom, the last section is a lot more company specific than the top half. We have very, very strong opinions on, hey, the first three to four to five scrolls of a visitor should kind of look like this. When we get to the bottom, there really becomes a lot of variability. Some companies near the end, usually loosely you want to end with some sort of CTA section. and so. We treat the homepage not as a Wikipedia page. That is, hey, here's the dumping ground to explain every possible thing about a company, what we do, like our Wikipedia page is exhaustive. We do not treat homepages as exhaustive Wikipedia pages. We say they're your primary landing page. They're the main marketing asset. And so depending on the stage of the company, that changes. But ultimately, what we see is every single homepage, regardless of size, should drive one of two actions. Clicking the button to book the demo or hop in the free trial or whatever that like next step is, or clicking a sub page to get you somewhere else to learn more, to get you ideally to one of those two outcomes. Right. So for us, the end, closing with a strong CTA section is very important, getting people into the whatever the big thing that you want to do is. And if we're early stage companies that we're talking about, we almost always are like, get them on the demo. And if you're a product-led company, get them into the product. So that's probably the next section. But then above that, we get some variability. Sometimes a company will say, Okay, we know loosely, maybe we have four or five products. And we think this product is the best seller. So we want to highlight it in a great depth at the top. Underneath that, you might actually say, But we actually still want people to know we have these other products. So you might have a section that's, Here, you can explore our company by product. And you have little mini icons for each and descriptions that take you to landing pages for the products. That's one potential thing. Sometimes it's a single product, but it has many different use cases. And so you might have a section that say other teams use this product for this set of reasons. And it can basically be doors funneling you to specific landing pages that are use case based. Sometimes you want to lead people to persona based pages, right? Hey, Asana is for marketing teams. It's for sales teams. It's for customer success. And you can basically say, here's the other teams how they use it, and you could click and drive them to a landing page for their specific team. Sometimes it's company industry specific, right? We help the defense department, right? You can go here if you're a defense company. You can go here if you're oil and gas. So there's a lot of variability on the bottom, and that's kind of just totally depends on what the company's doing, go to market strategy, and the other things potentially that stakeholders care about. Because if we could win the battle to say, take all of your other things that people want push them to the bottom and just lead with a clear message on the top, you're already going to be five times better than the next company that's like, no, no, no. All of our stakeholders need all of their things represented in the hero or whatever it is. Okay, let's jump to above the fold because I know this
1: is going to be like the meaty stuff. Is it best if I give you like a fictional example and you can then use your framework to give us info that we put at the top above the fold. We could definitely try that if you got something up your sleeve, happy to roll with it. I did this on a recent episode. It was a product marketing episode, so maybe related here. And we actually did this with a case study and the guest, shout out to Declan, gave us on earth with ABM and the guest gave us the ABM strategy for this company. So let's try and use that and see if we can make it work. So it's a company that makes software for pharmaceutical businesses and they've raised a seed round. So they're relatively early stage. Maybe they've raised a couple of million and they have some software that helps, you know, the R&D phase in pharma is like super long and costs loads of money. It somehow just helps them get through the R&D phase faster.
0: Is that enough to roll with? I think so. So this sounds like a company we would work with, like seed companies, that's our bread and butter. And usually they're pre-product market fit. And that company actually sounds like they're in a better place than a lot of the companies we work with. So okay. many of them that we come to us, they don't really know the key use case. They don't really know what they're trying to do. And they're like, it could be for these 10 different things. So a lot of the work that we'll do with them is to help them narrow down. Listen, if you've got one account executive, maybe one marketing hire as a seed-funded company, you can't test all 10 of these ideas at once. And so trying to summarize across 10 different use cases with some vague like modernize your business message is not going to work. And listing 10 different things on the flip side of that, just saying, hey, here's 10 use cases creates so much friction for the person on the other side who's coming to the page. That's not going to work either. So we always are saying, you need to figure out what is the key segment you want to go after? What is the key use case that you want to solve? And then what are some hints about how you actually solve it? So this company that you're talking about, it seems like they already have a lot of those foundational questions answered. And the questions that we would ask them on the call, we would really be trying to get them to be as narrow and specific as they're willing to go without causing a mutiny with the team internally, right? And so for us, like saying we help get you through the R&D process in the H1, maybe that is specific enough, but we would probably push them to go even further. Really? Is there a specific certification that they would need to get to really make that jump? So for a great example, the B2B company called Vanta, they're a household name now. Everyone uses them. They went to market around, will help you just get, SOC 2 compliant. And that was a big thing. SaaS companies everywhere were trying to get compliant. That does sound nice and specific there. Are you saying that they get better? I think like Vanta, early stage messaging, the fact that they narrowed on get SOC 2 compliant, I think is brilliant. And most companies are not willing to go that narrow. So for this company, I would say we'd be pushing them. Is there actually something more specific than just make it through the R&D process? Because what you want is to hit them at a really big point of pain. And so If there's some part of that process that's extremely painful that they solve, it's almost better to lead with it as like the free sample to get them to go into the restaurant and then discover all the other things that you help them with. So Vanta, prime example. And there's a lot of these types of companies that are really killing it. There's a company called Collective that helps freelancers. And essentially, their big hook is we'll help you become an S Corp. And in the States... S Corp is like the great designation tax-wise for a lot of these solopreneurs. And so every solopreneur is like, I probably should become an S Corp. And they lead with, we'll help you get that status. As you scroll down on the page, you start to discover they do all these other things. We'll help you with your accounting, your back office. We'll help you get tax compliant, what things to submit to the government, all these different things. So they slowly broaden out, but they lead with that point, that really big point of pain and the point solution that they use to solve it. So for this company, I would press them to try to go, is there something deeper that we could lead with? And then in that H2, right under the main headline, the H2 HTML tag, in that sub headline, I would really try to list out the exact product capabilities that accomplish whatever the promise is of the H1. So there's a huge mistake that people make with home pages. And if people flip this order, just doing this one change will make their pages five times better. Everybody, because they've been taught for years and years in the marketing world. Lead with the benefit, not with the capabilities, not with the features, right? Nobody cares about features, they only care about benefits. There's some cases where that's true, but in the vast majority of earlier companies that are not, Salesforce, Microsoft, people just don't believe the outcome unless they see what it is, that how it works. So for us, we're like leading with that capability and being able to show, we'll help you do this certification, We'll help audit your whatever, whatever those things would be. And I'm, we're not a pharmaceuticals homepage writing pay, a company, right? We don't have the industry knowledge. I don't have it offhand to tell you what those would be. But to me, it would be like leading with that. Here's what we're going to help you do. We're going to help you get compliant on this one specific part of the R&D process. And the way we do that is X, Y, and Z. And then you can even squeeze in with like a trusted by section where it's like trusted by these companies. You can actually bring in the type of company you'd want to work with. So you could say, trusted by pharmaceutical companies, such as, put the logos. And so when you look at the holistic hero, you get, what's the main use case in the H1? In the H2, you say, here's product capability 1, 2, and 3 that make that possible. Trusted by these companies, that's kind of the ICP or the company type that they're going after. And then ideally, it's left and right, text on side, product imagery on the right showing exactly what the product is going to look like. And we love like the GIFs that are of the product, but they're already playing when you land on the page. So you don't have to, it's not a video that you have to click. It's already going and not like some sort of abstracted, cool animation thing that like, I don't know what I'm looking at, but literally showing the product inside of it. Here's how it's working. And you know, you can add little pop-up things that are showing like what's happening to give context. But if you can get all those things in there, right, here's the exact use case, the capabilities, who it's for, what it looks like in a single hero, you're in great shape. And so some people will say like, well, what about the talking about the problem? There's cases where you want to bring in, here's the problem, here's what we solve it. But a lot of times, if you're solving a very painful problem, just showing the capability is enough to make their eyes light up. And I'll, I'll give you one example. I know I've been rambling for forever, but one example is my brother, he used to work for this med tech company. And they sold physical hardware. And in hospitals, you have these big hospital beds that they're constantly being moved from room to room. They're plugged into the wall with these big, expensive cables that are hard to replace, do a lot of things. They're not like just a power cable. They have all this smart stuff in them. So what happens is when nurses move the beds, these cables get yanked out of the wall because they're it's a crisis mode, right? This person needs to get moved to there. So they yank it and they're always being replaced. It's a huge annoyance and cost for the hospitals, especially if you multiply this over thousands of beds. Their product was a magnetic cable. So like a MagSafe on your computer, you can pull it and it'll just pop apart. No more breaking cable. So if you are that company and you're selling to those hospital leaders that are familiar with the problem, he would literally walk into the hospital, hold up the cable and just detach it. And they would immediately get it. The aha moment was instant. He didn't have to answer like, well, so what? Like, that's always what they say. Well, what's the so what? Like, they get it. If you're solving a real problem, you can actually just say what the product does and the people will get it. They'll be super excited. Like Tesla can just show you the auto self-driving on the highway. They don't need to be like, do you get annoyed having to steer the whole time? Let's talk about how much seconds of the day is wasted. Like they could just say, look at this. It drives on its own and you get the value. So that's kind of like loosely how we're thinking about at least the above the fold section. Wow, we're getting specific now. And I love the final
1: insight. He's basically saying that the best marketing is like feeding that back into the product and making something better. So the marketing just gets easier. And I love that role for marketers and I think it's sometimes neglected. All right, let me just rephrase then. We have the H1 and the H2. The H1 is specific about the problem that you're gonna try and solve the, as specific as possible. So for our example, Maybe there's a specific step in the R&D phase that's really hard to get through. We can help you get through that. And then we're actually going to be clear about the product capability from the H2 so someone can just read that and then they know what the product is and how it's going to help them. And then they can just shift their eyes over to the right and they can actually see it. This is nice. It is very clear to me. And then we can have a bit of social proof just below that. Makes total sense. Okay, scrolling down, like just one scroll, what do we have next?
0: So here's where it depends. Let's imagine that you're solving a less obvious problem. So the cable one is a super obvious problem. But not every startup has that cool of a solution for such a painful problem. A lot of people are like, well, it's a little more complicated. We're maybe solving these disparate siloed systems that are kind of not connected and it ends up creating these problems." Like you have to do a little salesmanship. In those cases, we would really recommend having the next scroll be a problem section. Here's the state of affairs today. Your, and it's written for the group that you are trying to win over. And you can think about it like an infomercial. Every single infomercial, when you're up late at night, back in the day, you'd be sitting watching TV and they'd run these infomercials. They always show someone in the moment of struggle, right? It's black and white. Someone's trying to put their food away in the Tupperware and everything's falling all over the place and they're tripping and stuff like that. We basically want to bring up those points of pain where we say, here's the state of affairs today. Sales teams are struggling with X, Y, and Z. Something along those lines. If you're solving a very specific, painful problem that everyone's aware of, you don't necessarily have to have this problem section. So if you come across the cure for cancer and you're putting it on the website, big main H1, right? We have the cure for cancer, right? It's this new gene therapy that blah, 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 cures cancer, it's gone. You do not then have to have a problem section that says, cancer really sucks, doesn't it? You got to go to chemotherapy. You don't have to spell it out. They get it. In those cases, the next section could just jump right into the key value propositions of the product, right? Here's how the cure for cancer works. You come in, you get this treatment three times a week, next one, right? Like you're just start to see results and you start to get into the nuts and bolts of like what the actual offering is. But for most startups that are doing something new and novel, a lot of times it actually would be really helpful for them to just lay out. Here's the exact problem that we solve and then transition to, and here's the solution that we have to solve this problem for you.
1: Makes total sense. In our case, I think we are going to have to like talk more about the problem, right? So we're basically going to introduce the problem and then introduce how the solution solves the problem. That's the
0: second scroll. Exactly. Yeah. And so we call that the problem section and then the solution intro section. And the solution intro, usually it's a big headline that's like this pharmaceutical tech company like. We solve it with, and you can basically call back up to either product capabilities, or if you fit in a product category, this is a great place to actually show that, right? Like, we're the CRM for pharmaceutical companies, or we're the, whatever it is, this is kind of where you can frame the higher level positioning again, reinforce it after the problem section. And then really diving into these, we call them value proposition sections, which are, what are the arguments? If I'm going to be in an elevator with someone at one of these pharmaceutical companies that's trying to get compliant in this area, and they tell me that, you know, and I'm like, oh, I actually have the exact platform for you. We made this solution for people trying to solve this compliance challenge. But we'll tell you about that a little more. The next three scrolls are going to be text, image, text, image, text, image. And ideally, the text can either be the sequential steps of how you actually solve that use case from the hero. Or sometimes they can be just the three different aspects if they're not sequential, right? So in that use, one I said before, if it's this accounting service for solopreneurs, they would maybe have three different sections that's like, we'll handle your accounting. We'll handle your incorporation. And those aren't like a sequence, but they're essentially how they solve that one up above. But either way, those next sections are like, what are the three quick sentences you would make to the person in the elevator to convince them to then take that action. I want to hear more, let's hop in a call. I want to hear more, let's hop into your product. Or I want to explore more deeply into the website to see what other things you have to say.
1: And then leading from those value
0: proposition scrolls, do that go right into the CTA or do we have something else? We have a couple more potentially. So we've got those that big selection of modular ones, but actually before that, what we love to do is then we have the kind of social proof up top of logos, but here's where we like to bring in the testimonials and because we firmly believe, and this is like one of our core tenets, that you shouldn't lead with the outcome, don't lead with the ROI and the benefits and stuff because people don't believe it, but you actually can close with that. Once you've proven, here's what I'm going to do, how it works. Now let's talk about the return on an investment that you're actually going to get. And the strongest place to share return on an investment is through the mouths of actual customers who have gotten this return. So you can give them a nice ROI calculator with a slider, you enter in your are blank. And we'll tell you how much money you're going to save. But no one really believes that stuff. They kind of think it's bogus. It's more believable when you see a person with a name and a title that I could go and find on LinkedIn and shoot them a message if I want and let them talk about the ROI. Because you've already made the case from your angle and you're only saying stuff that you can prove up higher. You're saying, this is literally what the product does, the problems it solves. And then let them say, and you know what that did for my business? It doubled my revenue. It saved us, a 1,000 hours per you know team or something over a course of 28 days. So that testimonial becomes the place to really share the benefits and the ROI of the product through the mouth of an actual person. So sometimes people will do like a wall of testimonials, a bunch of little ones, and that can be really powerful depending on how complicated or simple the product is. If the product's really simple, it might actually look good to see like 50 of them that are like, everyone loves this thing and raving. Like people will pull from their Twitter feeds and stuff like that. I think that's great. But when it's these more complicated solutions, I actually like leading with one giant testimonial. Maybe you have a scroll button that can take you to the next one, but one big one that essentially lays out, here's the end-to-end story. We were in this spot. All these things were breaking. We found these guys. They helped us get compliant for this pharmaceutical thing. We were able to launch the drug to market year and a half earlier than we thought. And that resulted in a 5x increase of our revenue or whatever it might be. Let them tell that end to end story, because it'll just be way more believable than if you try to tell that whole story.
1: That's absolutely genius. i would never thought about testimonial weighting or testimonial density like you have. You see it with the like $20 SaaS products to help you automate Twitter or whatever. They have the wall of tweets because you just want the repetitive social proof. But here, I've seen this on other, like Refine Labs, for example, they're a marketing agency. They just have one massive testimonial from Clary, actually above the fold, which is maybe controversial, (laughs) but it totally makes sense now. That's going to be much more compelling for a more detailed or complex service, right? That's absolute genius. All right, anything else before we hit the CTA?
0: It's usually then, yeah, that different selection of things that you can have. Use case doors, sometimes if you're a very end-user-focused product, you could have like a feature grid. So Linear is a good example. They do software development product that's a competitor to Jira and any of those like software management platforms. So Linear has these really, really slick looking feature grids, which are basically like just bullet points about what the feature is and then a short description of what it does. So especially if you're selling to the end user, if you're in B2C, a lot of that stuff, it's like they actually do want to see the features. They really care about what they're going to do because they're going to be the ones who are using it. So if you're selling to the business leader or a champion who's higher up in the org, usually those big testimonials, maybe some case studies is another example where you actually, not a testimonial, but read how this e-commerce company was able to use us to blah, 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 read how this logistics company. The case study section is really good there if it's something like that. Sometimes you can also see a lot of integrations Sections where it's like, hey, we integrate with all your main apps because sometimes that's an objection handler up ahead. The funniest section that we usually don't recommend for people is an FAQ because the first question on every FAQ is always so funny. It's, what does this product do? And I'm like, if you've got the FAQ at the bottom of the homepage and people are still wondering what the product does, don't put it in the FAQ, just fix the page. <laughs> you know, like it should no longer be a frequently asked question at that point. That makes total sense. What are your thoughts on explainer videos? I feel like they
1: exploded maybe 10 years ago and they were above the fold on a lot of sites, but now maybe not. There's a a little
0: trick that we like, and we don't have it on our site, but we probably should. It's basically the explainer video. It's a rolling GIF in the hero that has a play button. So it's doing that thing that I'm talking about where it's showing the product in action, explaining it. But if you're like a little subheading underneath it, that's like, Click here to learn more and you can click it and it'll actually be a video. So there's a tricky way that you can kind of have your cake and eat it too, where you you get to just have it playing on the land and the load. But then also if people really want to deep dive, they can click the explainer video. So I think that can be pretty powerful. The other thing that we didn't talk about is these interactive demos, where they're really getting popular as well. And I think they sometimes can work, but sometimes they're actually better suited after you've clicked the CTA, yeah. so you click the CTA, it takes you to a page and there's the product that you can start jumping through this interactive demo. Because I actually think a lot of times what people do, they optimize for people clicking the interactive demo without realizing the system effect of, you're actually going to drive more people away because what they'll do is they'll make it full screen. It'll give a, a loose hero at the top, no product image, and a vague description. And then you scroll and it's the entire screen is this interactive product demo. And if people are ready to click it, you're actually going to probably make them bounce quicker because it's just so overwhelming and large. And it's like just a lot of cognitive friction that's adding. Like, now i got to make decisions. I got to click. I don't even know what this thing is. But people will put it there because it increases the number of clicks to the demo without realizing how many people it's potentially driving away. So we usually say, if you're going to use one of these interactive demos, put them lower on the page, maybe after the CTA or on the CTA page, like if they're going to book a demo or jump into the product or whatever it is.
1: That all makes total sense to me. Oh my God, I feel like my homepage knowledge has just been like totally upgraded. The two biggest things that I took away is that those four like super clear elements above the fold, we need to have all of them. And it is quite advanced, but I do like having like the explaining video behind the GIF. So if someone can get it straight away, they can also dive in more. That's the first thing. The second thing is the point about testimonials, absolutely genius. So this has been a real eye-opener. Is there any like final nuggets, homepage related that we should share?
0: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things to think about when you talk about the product category that you're in, if you are an early stage company, you might not fit in a product category. And so you confronted with the question on the homepage, do I try to pick one that exists? Do I try to create a new one? Or do I just don't even include it? And in many cases, that third option is actually the best. Because if you're specific enough on the use case, It doesn't really matter what people put you in. So there's a a product called Tango and they might have changed this since then. But a couple months ago, I had taken down a picture of their homepage and their hero was this. This was the H1. Create stunning how-to guides in minutes, not hours. Key use case right there. The key outcome, right? The key capability that they're unlocking for you. And then the H2 is document any process as you click without ever taking another screenshot. So they're highlighting the problem, and I think they show it on the right, or at least they did at this point, where basically, as you're clicking around on the screen, it's recording the whole thing, and then with AI, automatically generating little descriptions of what each of these steps are doing. So to me, I'm like, this is great. They could then try to create some sort of product category to explain that, but likely it's going to just be more confusing than helpful. Like It's fine to just call it that. And then if this product category really matures, maybe they take on the product category name. There's a couple other instances where you actually do want to say it. Like if you're doing an existing product category, but your main differentiation is you've brought it to a new group of people, like early days, people saying, we're the CRM for investment bankers or whatever it might be. That could be really helpful. If investment bankers know about CRMs, but they've never had a solution for them, it might actually be helpful to bolt that on and then share that on the page. The third category of creating a category, that's a whole nother podcast and I could talk about that for hours, but it's usually not the right decision if you're very early stage and you don't have a ton of VC funding to make this category a thing.
1: There we go. One final nugget. Anthony, I want to thank you, A, for coming on and sharing the wisdom, of, but B, for being so passionate about the homepage. I can really sense it and I'm sure that is going to make you the business and anybody that you interact with is ultimately going to come out with a better homepage because you're this is like a real passion for you.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I never imagined that I would become passionate about one single asset like this. But for us, we see the homepage as kind of the symbol to the world of how well you've thought about your positioning and messaging. And so getting the homepage right is actually getting your business strategy right. And so for us, we're like, we can tell from the homepage is this company screwed? Are they going to? really do a great job. And that's why it's become so important to us. Not necessarily because we love looking at analytics of you know and heat maps and things like that. That's We don't really care about that stuff. We're not, like I said, we're not CRO experts. But we do love thinking about company strategy and a lot of it ends up showing up on the homepage. And so rather than going through a big, long process, creating a nice PowerPoint deck, here's our positioning, here's our messaging, here's our strategy, and then having that live in a Google Drive folder that no one ever looks at. If you can just get that sucker up onto the homepage, Your employees will get it. Customers will get it. VCs will get it. So you get that right. And a lot of other dominoes fall into place.
1: Amazing. Okay, we're going to link, obviously, to your LinkedIn below. Anything else we should link to or mention for the audience?
0: Yeah, if anyone, if you're wanting to connect with us directly, shoot us a connect request on LinkedIn. Me and my partner, Rob Kaminsky, we add basically everyone. We'll usually send you a DM. How'd you hear about us? And then if you wanted to work with us on your homepage, Our website is FletchPMM.com. And we actually, it's a great case study of our process because we ran it on ourselves. So if you land on our page and you're like, man, this homepage is really not clear, don't work with us. But my guess is you're not going to say that because we list out exactly what we do, how it works, the pricing, the deliverables, timeline, all that stuff. Amazing. Anthony, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having
1: me. all right there we go so if you that clear above the fold on your side you have the h1 and h2 just as anthony said you have that social proof do you have the product image in the right hand side and do you have the right kinds of testimonials for your product do you have a wall of love if you're like a relatively high transactional or low-cost product or do you have that one big time testimonial like the refine labs one we mentioned super super interesting and hopefully super super practical for you so thank you to anthony thank you to fame for editing, producing, helping find the guests, et to do everything for the show. Go to fame.so if you need a show like this. And then, of course, thanks to you for listening.